This is In the Word with Malcolm Weber. Submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Huh. It's a good thing I'm reading the scriptures and not something I wrote, isn't it? Because I don't think you believe me. Welcome to In the Word with Malcolm Weber. As God's people, we belong to Him. Peter says that, through Jesus Christ, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession. Find out more in the third part of Dr. Weber's exposition of 1 Peter 2, 4 through 25. Verse 17, he continues to develop this a little here regarding everybody in a general sense, our responsibilities, our duties. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Show proper respect to everyone. Every man, woman, and child is in the image of God. Man originally was created in the image of God. The image of God has become corrupted through sin and the fall of man. Nevertheless, all men are still in the image of God and deserve respect. They may not live this way, but nevertheless, he says, show every man respect. Not just Christians here. He's not just talking about within the church, but show respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. We fear God. We honor the king. We don't fear the king. We fear God. We honor the king. And then in verse 18, he moves into the area of slavery here. You see, speaking about our responsibilities to the world, the unsaved community in which we live. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. And so there's the continuation of the theme of authority again here. Submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. There were many slaves in Peter's day here. There were slaves in the private world, you know, household slaves in business. There were also slaves in the public world, slaves that were owned by the state. People were enslaved for various reasons. Some were the children of slaves, and so they were born into slavery. Others were prisoners of war and slaves for that reason. Others had fallen into debt, and so uh, out of their debt had to sell themselves into slavery. And there were uh, many different conditions of slaves, you know, some were good, some were bad. There's a whole great variety there, the way they were treated. And Peter here does not distinguish between good treatment and bad treatment. He says, submit to them all. This is really incredible what Peter is about to say here. Submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. It's not just grudging respect. It's not just grudging submission, but it's respectful submission. All respect. You show them deep respect. To your masters. So submit yourselves and respect not only those who are good and considerate. That's a lot easier to do, isn't it? We don't have too many slaves here, although some of you may disagree, but we don't have too many slaves in modern America. But think of this as far as your place of employment, okay? Uh Aha. You're hoping we'd stay on slaves, so that way we can say, oh, yes, that sounds good for them. (laughs) Well, let's just think of your boss, okay? Oh, all of a sudden, this verse has taken on a whole new light, hasn't it? Submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. 
It's a good thing I'm reading the scriptures and not something I wrote, isn't it? Because I don't think you believe me. I, I, <laughs> not only to the good, and it's easy when you've got a good boss, you know, a kind, he's kind and good, he's considerate, he doesn't ask too much of me, just what's fair and, you know, equitable. But he says also submit, and not only submit, but do it with all respect, those who are harsh. The Greek word means perverse, crooked, those who are harsh, bad masters. Wow. This is what he says to do. I'm not saying you can't get another job, but you need to do it in submission, and you need to do it with all respect. Okay. Then he gives the reason why we should be subject to bad masters, to crooked and perverse masters. It's because it pleases God when the believer suffers for doing good. This is different stuff, isn't it? For it is... See, here's why. For, this is why you should submit yourselves with all respect to harsh masters, because it is commendable. Before who? Before God. Before the Lord Jesus. He's going to reward this when he returns. Yes! He's not going to say, you big dummy, why did you stay there? You should have, you know... Pulled out a lawsuit against them and stuck up for your rights. And what do you think the founding fathers died for? Huh. <laughs> He's going to reward those who submitted themselves to harsh masters with all respect. This is what he says. For it is commendable if a man bears up, that means he endures, and a woman too, <laughs> endures under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. Out of his consciousness toward God, out of your obedience to God, that you're conscious of God and what he has told you to do and what brings him glory, you don't endure suffering because you enjoy it, but you do it out of consciousness toward God. That's what he's saying. And he says that God rewards this if you endure the pain of unjust suffering. Because you are conscious of God. Wow! That's Bible, guys. This is not the only place where this is taught. He doesn't say, stick up for your rights. In fact, you won't find that in the New Testament. Hi! Everybody still love me? Come on, say yes, smile. Something, do something. <laughs> oh my. It ain't Bible, guys. I know it's part of the Wolf and West or something like that, of American Christianity, but it's not Bible. It's not. He tells us to endure the pain of unjust suffering. But how is it to your credit, verse 20, if you receive a beating for doing evil and endure that? He's moved from slander here. He's talking about getting a beating. He's not just talking about a little bit of criticism. and you know, I mean, we pout... When the boss doesn't fall over himself and go gaga over every little bit of work that we produce for him, right? That doesn't count. That's not suffering. That doesn't even show up on the suffering meter. It, sh- it does show up pretty big on the self-pity meter, though, I must, must add, if we're you know, comparing meters here. He's talking about getting a beating from a harsh master as a slave. And he says, this is good when you do that. He says, don't receive a beating for doing wrong. But, look at this, if 
you suffer. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about getting beat. Literally, beat. I'm not saying it's okay to beat. Now, if you're the master, (laughs) he's got some words for you too. The Lord Jesus does. But from our side, as believers who have harsh masters, he says, if you suffer a beating, genuine, actual hardship, real sufferings, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, and how do you endure it? You endure it submissively, you endure it respectfully, and you endure it out of conscience toward God. He says, if you endure it, this is commendable before God. Wow. If you endure it. And then Peter moves into verses 21 and 25. This next passage here, it's almost the actual center of the letter. It is the theological center of the letter. Everything revolves around this. And this is the basis for all Christian conduct, including the endurance of sufferings. And the basis for all Christian conduct is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, verse 21. To this you were called. Someone says, oh, I'm just trying to find out you know, my place. What, was, what, what am I called to do? What is it, Lord? Is it, is it apostle? Uh, let's see, is it... Uh, what are you telling me, Lord? Is it prophet to the nations? Is it great healing evangelist who stands before 500,000 people at a time and gets his name in the news and his photo on the cover of a prison magazine? What am I called to do, Lord? Okay, let's read it. Here, God had... Isn't God good? See, he knew that one day you'd be asking him, what am I called to? Lord, apostle, prophet, evangelist? And so he answered your question in advance. And he said, to this, here's your calling. Yeah, praise God, to this you are called. All right, what is it, Lord? Apostle, prophet, big-time evangelist, superstar, Christian ministry, superstar, international. To this you are called. Well, what does that mean? Let's do first what he just said. To suffer for doing good. Oh. There's no mention of apostle, prophet, or evangelist there. He says, to this you are called sufferer. You're called to be a sufferer. It's just what he says. Because all we're doing is reading it. <laughs> to this you are called. Wow. That's your calling. Praise God. What are you called to do, you know? I mean, you get these guys with, you know, apostles so-and-so on their business card and, well, sufferer, Malcolm Webber. What is that? What's my calling? To suffer. That's your calling too. Dear brother, dear sister, do you think it's funny that it's my calling, <laughs> but it's yours too? To this you, is a universal calling. Wow. Oh, my. You see, the, the gospel's not for wimps. Come on. The Christian life is not for wimps. It's not just some feel-good, blessings upon blessings, get my own way, have fun, fairy floss and candy from Santa Claus, God in the sky. This is the calling with which you have been called. You have been called to suffer. And here he's not just talking slander, remember? What's he talking about? Beatings. Thank you. Come on, let's say it. Beatings. You're called to suffer beatings and to suffer them with respect submissively endure them out of conscience toward God. That is commendable to the Lord. Wow. We think that we're supposed to try to be great and that'll please Him. I 
What pleases him is when we submit ourselves to ourselves. So this you were called. And here's why. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He repeats it. An example that you should follow in his steps. He's our example. We're to do what he did. So this you were called because, you see, this is proof. This is proof that, number one, that undeserved suffering is commendable before God. Because Jesus did, and that pleased God. And number two, this is proof that you've been called to this. Because he left us an example. Notice he says that Christ suffered for you. He could have said Christ died for you, but what's he emphasizing here? Not death, but sufferings, right? So he says, his choice of words here. Christ suffered for you, making a direct comparison between his sufferings and ours, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The Greek word for example is literally a copy. He left you a copy. And this was a technical word that referred to, you know, back then everybody didn't go to school and learn to write. Okay, There were only a few people that knew how to write. And they would have a teacher. The teachers would be particularly good and neat in their letters, kind of like me. And they would write out, you know, the words. And then you'd put a copy paper over that and then the students would trace exactly over those letters. This is the word here. Christ suffered for you, leaving you a copy to trace over, to follow exactly, to trace exactly his image that he left, his example, following in his steps. And the Greek there for follow is literally follow upon. It's not just at a distance. <laughs> you know, so, well, he's sort of out there, he's doing all that, but I'm kind of back here where it's safe. No, you're following right up close. I mean, it's like he lifts up his foot and you're following upon him. In goes yours. You're right up there with him. He gives two different ways of showing how closely we are to follow Jesus' example. Verse 22, here's what his example is. He quotes here from Isaiah 53, the suffering servant there. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. You see, Jesus' suffering was undeserved. It was totally unjust. He was right. His suffering was wrong. No deceit was found in his mouth. But here's what he did. Here is his example. And this is the example that you are to closely follow. When they hurled their insults at him, he called his lawyer and set the proceedings for a lawsuit against slander. Because he's got rights, bless God. When they hurled their insults at him, what did he do? He did not retaliate. Oh, good for him. Well, that's just him. Is this what Peter says? No. He says, this is the image that you are to copy, the steps that you are to follow upon close behind. Not a lot of room here for self-pity. Not a lot of room here for litigation and lawsuits. None whatsoever. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Let's read that again. When he suffered, he made no threats. But instead, he entrusted himself to him, the Father, who judges justly. Instead of attacking his opponents, he directed his attention to God in faith. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See the contrast there between a father who judges justly versus his attackers who were totally unjust. And he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He was not only doing good, he was also actually suffering for our sins as the sin bearer. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
by whose wounds you have been healed. And so here he moves from Jesus' death as example to the purpose of his death. The purpose of Jesus' death was to bear our punishment. So he bore our sins. The expression bore our sins is a technical expression. I've got a chapter on that in my book, which some of you need to have read by now. The test will be immediately following. <laughs> not really. There's a chapter on that, and it shows that that means he bore the punishment of our sins, not the sin itself, but the punishment. He bore our sins in his own body. He bore the punishment of our sins where? In his body. So how did he die, spiritually or physically? Physically, excellent. He bore the punishment of our sins in his body. On the tree. He didn't suffer in hell. You see, there was no sufferings in hell. He bore the punishment of our sins in his body on the tree. That is stated dozens of times, this kind of thing in the New Testament. Never once is anything else stated regarding the nature of his death. And his purpose was so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Here he's echoing what Paul speaks of in Romans 6, that in our union with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have died to sin. The old man has died, but the new man has been raised again with the Lord Jesus Christ to righteousness. So we're not only free from the punishment of sin, you see. He's got both. Both of those are mentioned here. That he's borne the punishment of our sin, so praise God we're free from that. But he's also set us free from sin itself. See, we've died to sin and we're living for righteousness. Peter here in these few words summarizes what Paul spent a chapter in Romans 6 and other places speaking of. Both aspects. We're not only free from punishment, we're also free from the presence of sin. We might live to righteousness, we're alive to God with his new life, by whose wounds you have been healed. Literally, the Greek word is bruise, and it's singular, it's not plural, it's singular. By his bruise you have been healed. And what the word means is it's this bloody scar that rises up under a terrible blow. You know, that if you would just bang, 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 and you get this big a wheel, you know what that is? Not a W-H-E-E-L, but W-E-A-L, would rise up. And it's singular here. And the idea is that Peter saw Jesus on the cross. And his body was so horribly disfigured and beaten that it appeared to Peter that there was just one single bruise there. The horribleness of his sufferings. By his wound, by his bruise, by his sufferings and death, you have been healed through Jesus' vicarious sufferings and death. In our place, you have been set free from punishment and from sin. You have been healed, physically as well as spiritually, by virtue of his death. For you were like sheep going astray. He's been quoting a lot of this out of Isaiah 53. And so now he brings in the sheep image, which is one that Isaiah uses. You were like sheep going astray, or we like sheep going astray, turning one to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his all, you know. So you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So Jesus took away the sins of the believer, and now he becomes our shepherd, praise God, who cares for us. He didn't just take away our sins and then leave us for ourselves, but he cares for us. He leads us and guides us like a loving shepherd. He's the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. It's the same word, overseer, that is used to describe the elders of the church. But Jesus is the overseer. He's the great overseer. He's the great head of the church, and his leaders are his representatives and authority in the church. He's the shepherd and the overseer of your souls, not only of your inward life, but he means of you, of your lives, of yourselves. The concept of soul, of course, is usually, it can also mean life, but usually means the person. So you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 
and now to live like he does. Praise God. We're so glad you joined us for In the Word with Malcolm Weber, a weekly podcast featuring selected teachings from Dr. Weber's over 40 years of ministry. Find more teachings along with books, courses, tools, and other resources from Dr. Weber at www.leadersource.org. Tune in next week as we enter into Chapter 3 of 1 Peter.